This is my least favorite version of playing baseball. Hello, people. This is the Extra Spicy Podcast. I am Justin Phillips. And I'm Salejo. On this episode, we speak with Mark Canna, outfielder and first baseman for the Oakland Athletics. I'm just super passionate about food, and I love my wife and I both are, are both huge foodies and we love eating out. We talked to him on August 21st and I guess, you know, being new to sports, I didn't realize, but a lot of stuff happened between then and now that we should probably talk about first. They went down to Texas. They were supposed to play the Houston Astros, the Texas Rangers, but then this was after Jacob Blake was shot in Wisconsin. So games on the 27th and the 28th were postponed due to protest. And then I think like around the 30th, they were supposed to have a series against the Seattle Mariners. That got postponed because one of the players tested positive for COVID. And it was just, you know, in that short amount of time, a whole lot of real life ran into uh, ran into baseball. So much drama. Yeah, it was a lot. But from what I hear, there's no crying in baseball either. So you can't process the drama. Yeah, no, that does, that, that sounds familiar. I think I've heard that from somewhere before. Well, you know, I'm so happy we got to talk to Mark before all the shit hit the fan. He's a really lovely guy and also a giant foodie. He's super into, and you know, like, I don't like saying the word foodie, but I'm just going to say it for him because he claims it. It's his word Uh, (laughs) for himself. Um, And we talk at length about how, you know, he's not like the other guys. He He's not just into steaks and burgers. Like, he wants tacos. He wants regional Chinese food. He's looking for the sort of mom and pops in Oakland when he comes here for games. I think that's really cool. We also get social media tips from Mark with his, like, very advanced Instagram skills. So tune in for that, aspiring influencers. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us. Where are you speaking to us from right now? I'm in my apartment in Oakland. I live kind of right by Lake Merritt in like uptown area of Oakland this year. It's my first time actually living in Oakland during the season. Normally we live in San Francisco with my family, but different circumstances this year. So I'm by myself living in a studio apartment in <laughs> Oakland. Oh man, just like living that bachelor life right now, huh? Yeah. I'm curious about this, Mark. Out of all the pregame rituals you might have, where does hopping on a food podcast fall in the list? Is this something that you you make a habit of? No, this is uh, (laughs) not a habit at all. And it's a pleasant uh, break from my normal routine, which I'm very appreciative of, actually. Um, (laughs) So I'm happy to be here. And and this is something I I love talking food. And this is a nice break from the routine, like I said. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how I know you. I'm not really a sports person, although I did go to an A's game and I ate the helmet nachos with the crickets on top. But I know you primarily through your Instagram account where you take a lot of photos of food, actually. I know you as a foodie before an athlete, but I'd love for you to just talk us through just what is behind that? Like, why do you feel compelled to document the things you eat? Um, social media is such a um, crazy thing. I just always wanted to do something on on Instagram that that's a little bit different and a little bit telling of my personality without getting too much into my personal life and my family life. And I think that I'm just super passionate about food. And I love my wife and I both are, are both huge foodies and we love eating out. 
And when I started it, I thought of it would be a way to just a fun way to interact by something light to just interact with people and try to um, kind of get into the food scene in the Bay Area, which I've always wanted to get plugged into. And, and I just figured my, my platform with baseball would be would get me some popularity. And, and I just, you know, I want to be a part of this food scene that we have here that we're lucky to have. And it's, uh, it's been a fun, fun ride for sure. How's the pandemic kind of reshaped what you get to do? Cause like based off, based off your Instagram account, like you used to be out so much, you try so many places, like how are you adjusting during all of this? It's always tough for me during the season to get content, but especially just because I'm so busy and, and now I don't even live in the Bay Area in the off season, which is even tougher. But yeah, this year's been tough with, with not being able to eat out. I've had to get creative. The, the pictures aren't as good. And I think people <laughs> understand that, you know, you're like taking pictures of food while you're in your car, or, you know, like... <laughs> The other day I went to Chef Smelly's in Oakland. This was like, I think before the season even started. And I was like, all right, well, I got to go, you know, I got my styrofoam box of delicious food. And I'm like, all right, I got to go take a picture with this by Lake Merritt. So I went and just sat by the lake and, you know, sitting there with a typical food blogger, like getting the perfect (laughs) shot of my my, uh, fried catfish and a nice shot at Lake Merritt. So. It's tricky for sure. It's kind of a food bloggers nightmare. I feel like right now because usually, you know, you're in a cool restaurant with like some nice atmosphere and, and we don't have that right now. Do you have like a lot of restaurateurs around the Bay Area just like knocking down your doors, like trying to get you to come in? I imagine it must be like from your visibility and also just the enthusiasm over you being on a on an Oakland team. It's like all of that. Not as much as you think so. Like <laughs> I occasionally from time to time like some uh particularly the oakland restaurateurs will reach out to me and say hey come on through chef smelly is an example of that actually he reached out to me and it's like come on through and yeah some other people like taco trucks and stuff or, but but not a whole lot not as much as i had hoped for <laughs> um <laughs> That is something I'm hoping. I'm hoping to get there. We'll get there someday where well, they'll be beating down my door. <laughs> yeah. Are you taking like sponsorships or what? <laughs> yeah, I don't really. I try to stay away from like doing the whole like come into our restaurant and get a free meal thing because I don't I want the pictures. I want the content on my page to be like genuinely restaurants that I would recommend to friends and family and and my followers. And I don't want to feel obligated to post something just because someone gave me a free meal. So like, I tend not to do those. And and typically the types of restaurants that like offer that kind of stuff aren't really my scene anyway. So, you know, like the good, the place where the good food is, doesn't don't, they don't have to do that. So, so they don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I face the same thing. And a lot of and as a restaurant critic, places want to send me free food or whatever. And I, I literally tell them, like, if you give me something for free, I will never write about you ever. And that usually gets them to stop. Yeah. Well, I mean, you want to give them a fair shot and stuff, but it's it's not always the best. And the whole Instagram thing is new now, too, where everyone's like, let us send you this product. And 
let us send you that and let us our, our ice cream and our CBD products and our, and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like, no, I'm not going to do that. Is there some food demographic in the sports world where you guys are, you know, sharing information about the best restaurants or like really great restaurants in different cities? Like you're actually, you know, connoisseurs of the dining out experience that people just don't realize like what's what's the dialogue there what's that landscape like well i I can't speak for other sports but i can tell you my experience with baseball and it's kind of um the answer the short answer is no we're not food connoisseurs for the most part here's what happens you know you get into a city if you get into a city early enough where you're lucky to get in early enough to have dinner typically the agents set it up and guys go through their agents. Cause the, the tricky thing is, is like, you always want to go out, we call it a show dinner. You want to go have a show dinner with the boys. And uh, it's hard to get a lot of dudes into a restaurant, like a, a nice <laughs> restaurant. Like, you know, you're not gonna, let's say we're going, we're flying into San Francisco and I'm playing on another team. You're not going to get eight dudes into like a Michelin star restaurant. You're just not going to do it. So what happens is, is the, the agents set it up and it's always some kind of steakhouse that is either like an old timey steakhouse that, that has been in baseball that everyone kind of knows about. And all the athletes go there because they're just plugged into like the agents, you know, they, they have relationships with, with certain restaurants and, and it's always a steakhouse. <laughs> That's int- Oh, wow. That's interesting. I'm kind of a unique breed in that sense is like no one on my team is really looking to go to those ty- to the types of restaurants that I go to anyway. Most of the guys are kind of like steakhouse guys anyway. Mm. They're not interested in like finding eclectic off the beaten path like food spots and going on an adventure with me you know typically it's like me doing that stuff by myself or if i'm lucky i'll like rope like one or two guys into it into coming out with me but that's rare you know most of the guys want to go and get a steak (laughs) (laughs) that would be that's like hanging out with my family actually it just reminds me of that of just my like greater family usually when we go celebrate with my grandparents or whatever they just want to go to like the buffet you know I'm just like, no. <laughs> i can totally relate yeah keeping it simple that's kind of the funny thing i was wondering too because the guys who don't really care about food my this is my imagination i guess with regards to athletes but it seems like your diets are pretty controlled too by nutritionists or dietitians like as part of training and as part of maintaining like a daily calorie count how do the things that you eat like fit into that or not yeah not we have had a nutritionist in the past the nutritionist job on the team though is just kind of to set up the meals and make sure that the food that they are providing us is healthy and and not too crazy like not too i guess unhealthy it's not that advanced in terms of like meeting up with the nutritionist and personalizing diets and stuff like that it's kind of a very personalized like everyone does their own thing basically and everyone's on their own program and the thing with baseball is we we play every day so we're always trying to feel good this isn't me but even if you are a guy that just there's certain guys on our team that yeah they eat like 
12 year old kids. Like, <laughs> it's like they're Peter Pan in Neverland and they just are never going to grow up and keep eating like cereal for dinner and stuff. But like, but yeah, I mean, we're always trying to feel good because we play every day. And I think for the most part, that kind of like forces guys to eat well and, and make kind of mature decisions about what they're eating. So, okay, like, why are you so different from the other guys on the team then, in, in <laughs> other guys in baseball? Like, what makes you uh, so excited about food in a way that many of your colleagues aren't? I don't know. I, I did grow up. My dad cooked a lot growing up. My dad's a pretty worldly person and would, like, travel a lot. He worked in Silicon Valley and was in sales for years. He would travel a lot to Europe and he was really into food and he collected food and wine magazines and he has this cookbook at home that's like just a compilation of like recipes that he cut out of food and wine that that he would cook out of when I was a kid. So I grew up eating a lot of crazy stuff and kind of being a little bit worldly about food, I would say. And uh, I just, my wife and I kind of like grew up idolizing San Francisco and and we our our story took us all over the place I played in my in the minor leagues and we were in different cities all the time and when I finally got to play in the major leagues I got kind of traded to Oakland and had an opportunity to to make the major league club we were like let's just let's go all in with this and I I kind of just saw the opportunity in front of me and was like all right I had no idea how long I was going to get to play baseball, but we were kind of took the attitude of like, let's just blow it out. <laughs> let's just, uh, you know, we're the best restaurants for in the world are in this city. Let's do it. Let's just have fun, eat all kinds of different foods and make, you know, final hurrah. Let's just say that this is the last year I ever get to play baseball. <laughs> let's go eat at all the best restaurants. Uh, you know, I'm like spending money that I probably shouldn't spend on restaurants and stuff. <laughs> It's like, uh, I remember meals that I had in my rookie season six years ago that I'll, that I'll never forget. And like going to the French Laundry for the first time is, is a memory I'll never forget. And, and I don't regret anything. You know, it's just like those memories, those times of those meals that I went out to dinner with my wife are, are memories that we both treasure just because we, we both love food so much. You're listening to the Extra Spicy Podcast. We will be right back after the break. I'm Justin Phillips, and I'm back with Mark Canna, outfielder and first baseman for the Oakland Athletics. So I like to imagine that, you know, at some point in our adulthood, like we all had a meal where we were like, holy shit, this is, this is completely different. This isn't, you know this is how the other side might eat. Like this is, you know, I should, I should, I should probably explore this a little bit. Is there any meal that, that kind of sticks out as like the beginning of your, your road into this, you know, big league foodie kind of Instagram thing? Well, I'll take you way back. There, there's this meal that I'll never forget that my dad made one time. We were having dinner at my, my noni's house, which is my, my grandmother and my mom's side. This, I don't even remember how long ago this was. I was a kid. I was probably like, 10 years old. And I remember one time my dad made risotto, not any special type of risotto, just like cheese risotto. And I remember trying it at my, at my noni's house. And I was just like, this is so damn good. <laughs> like, this is so delicious. And I think I just remember thinking that as like a kid, like, I didn't know that food could be this good. 
I mean, there, there are certain ones that just stick out from there. I mean, when you go to San Francisco and you just, there was this one time in 2016, I mean, the French laundry is one of those meals for sure in 15, where I was just like, all things considered, like the food, the service, the whole experience was, I was just like, this is it. This is it. This is my life now. My life is awesome. <laughs> That's like just how you feel when you're eating there. You're like, this is how life should be. This is how you people should treat you. Yep. This is what food should taste like. Uh, <laughs> but in 2016, I was injured the whole year. I had a season ending hip surgery, which left me a lot of free time. And one, there was this one week where I realized I was just like looking on open table for restaurants to like go eat at because I wasn't I think I was doing my rehab at the Coliseum and then I just go home I wouldn't even stay for the game a lot of times because yeah so I, I would go home and and we're like I have all these nights just open before we had kids I mean, my wife and I have two kids now it's before we had kids and stuff and one night one week I figured out that like in the middle of the week you could get into like Venu and like sons and daughters and one week we ate at like three different restaurants like in the same week and it was insane it was like we ate at Venu one night and the next night was sons and daughters and then the next night was like rich table or something and it was like I mean we were king we ate like kings <laughs> and we were just like this is this is incredible and like you know, it's not a sustainable way to live, but <laughs> it was a, uh, it's one of those eye-opening things where you're just like, I never want to eat bad food again. Yeah. And now, I mean, there's, it's, it's really interesting because the ways in which we ate food before are just completely out the window, right? Like we're not eating at restaurants and it's also a lot harder to gauge quality when you're just getting takeout all the time too, because it's all like a little bit shitty and you just kind of have to accept that. <laughs> but like, what's exciting to you right now? Like what, where are you looking for really good food at this point? Oh man, that's a good question. It's so hard. Like you said, it's just, um, I think it's the time for, for casual food to shine, you know, like the, the food that's meant to be taken out, I'll say. I don't, I don't know how else to say that. Does that make any sense? Yeah. No, the yeah. food that, like, fits yeah. in a box traditionally <laughs> has been pretty good. Like, pizza, fine, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of excited about being in Oakland for that reason. I feel like there's a lot of, like, off-the-beaten-path places that I keep hearing about. Mark, you have, you have two kids. Is there a... Uh... Do you cook a lot at home? Like when it when it comes to, you know, do you have like any special recipes that you do? Did you pick up anything from your dad? Like I imagine a foodie father is going to kind of make sure his kids know what's good and what's not good kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I have a newborn, a three month old and a two and a half year old. So mm. they're not, uh, their palates aren't super refined <laughs> yet, but... So cooking for them, I'm, when I cook, I'm more like cooking for me and my, my wife and I, and, and like, if they want to eat some of it, good for them, or good for my two-year-old, my <laughs> three-month-old isn't eating solid food yet, but I'll, I'll get a recipe that I'll like obsess about for weeks, and I'll, and mm. I'll try to like take from different recipes like my spaghetti and meatballs I've gotten pretty good at making just I mean the meatballs just because I've like 
take from different recipes and try to like make it my own. I'm like, okay, I like this about that recipe. I like that it's, you know, beef and pork. And I like the preparation and that I'm like broiling them in the oven to get a little crispiness on or whatever. So I'll like tinker with that recipe and, you know, my, my wife will have to eat it three times in a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that's kind of my style is I'm like, all right, let me get comfortable making this one. And then I like to eat out and be like, huh, like maybe I could make something like this and try to like, then you, you do some research and find a recipe that's similar to it. And you're like, okay. And then you just make it your own. That's kind that's of awesome. Like, that's kind of the cook that I am. I'm, I'm not like a, I'm not a great cook. You know, I found your, you know, you had a recent post on your Instagram where you talked about FaceTiming with your kids and eating dinner, just kind of looking at them. And you ordered Mission Chinese and just had a lot of feelings about it. And I'd love to hear from you just how, you know, how that is now, like just being in relative isolation as an athlete, you know, the whole premise of playing sports right now is so weird and screwed up. But um, how has it been for you? Yeah, it's definitely been different. This is my least favorite version of playing baseball ever. There's just so many, you know, we're very like with all the protocols, it's just my routine has completely changed. We have less time to work at the field. Um, I don't get to see my family. And that was the, the, the family thing was just something that I completely, um, underestimated how hard it would be for me like mentally um just not being able to see my kids has been really tough and I just I think that day I was having like an emotional day like you know a tough day at work or something and I was like all right I'm gonna go get a good meal today and and try to like cheer myself up and and just it was one of those days where you just like you just have to go home and cry at the end of it (laughs) (laughs) and uh my daughter was like being super cute that night on on FaceTime and she was eating like chicken nuggets or something and I'm eating my mission Chinese and it was just my daughter was is at the age now where she's kind of starting to to be able to like hold a conversation a little bit that was one of the first nights too where she was like really engaged with me and she was like answering my questions and and really taught which is hard for a two and a half year old to do but there's just certain days where you're like I'll, I'll be talking to her I'll be like hey how was your day and she's just like walks off the screen and like, goes and like plays with her toys and you're like hey like I was talking to you but that night you know she's just sitting there and like talking to me and eating and like you know there were like four or five exchanges consecutively where we where we had a converse a real conversation and it and it was just um I was just so emotional for me because one, I was so happy how to see that she was like doing this stuff, like, oh my God, she's growing up so fast. She, we, I just had a conversation with my daughter, but another part of me is kind of sad that I'm like not there to, to be there to see it more often. And then I mean, Mission Chinese, I'm just enjoying this delicious meal, which is, <laughs> and I'm like, man, I wish, you know, I wish she could be eating this with me right, you know, where I am instead of back home. But that's, uh, that's the nature. I mean, everybody's dealing with this and it's, it's not easy. And we're, we're all uh, doing our best right now, I'd say. Chinese food is really good to cry into also. <laughs> yeah, it is. So in the time, Mark, that you've had, that you've been doing like the the big league foodie Instagram account. 
Are there any tricks that you've learned to make a post really sing? Like, is there a lighting thing that you look for? Is there a specific thing that you have to work into the caption? Like, what do you what do you do? What's the magic? Um, you know what the magic? Well, I know most of my followers are are baseball fans. They're like A's fans. <laughs> um, so typically, the keys to getting a lot of likes for me, which which. I don't care about, <laughs> but um, <laughs> if I'm trying to run up the likes, an Oakland restaurant always helps mm. or an East Bay restaurant. Um, I've learned that the vast majority of the population likes burgers and <laughs> burgers and things that are more relatable, more relatable foods than like more fancy foods, just because a rooster leg from Banu is just not gonna, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not going to, uh, you know, if you're going to be like, what the hell is this? And, um, and then uh, the third thing is like this, and this is the sweet one. It's just like whenever me or my family or my daughter's in the picture, it always gets a lot of likes. Because I think people really like, as much as I, I kind of try to keep my family and personal life limited on it, I do share it from time to time and, and it gets a lot of likes. I think people really like seeing uh, your family and, and, and they want to feel connected to you. And, and I think that's really cool. Just give them a little taste, you know, that's what people love. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to like have my kids on this constantly <laughs> monitoring their life for, for everyone to see. So you're not going to pivot to like daddy blogger. No, no, that's not, that's never going to happen. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, man. We appreciate it. Good luck with the rest of the season, too. All right. Thank you. Take care. Stay healthy. So that was our interview with Mark Hanna. But before we go, I feel like we should maybe milk a little bit more out of this sports coverage that we're dipping our toes into. That we're, that we're we dabbling have, in. In our professional capacity, we have been to sports games and tried <laughs> the food. And I thought it'd be really fun to talk about our Chase Center adventure because we spent hours at the Chase Center during a Warriors game just eating... I was going to say eating our asses off, but that's not, I don't like that image. I could tell you were wrestling with it. The, uh, <laughs> well, see, that's the thing about Chase Center. So you have this billion dollar facility, you know, made for a team that's one of the best teams in the country. And you're going to have fans that come not only locally, but from like all over the world to watch them play. This is all pre-pandemic talk. And so, you know, it got to a point where, like, going through the Chase Center, like, the dining options, it made you feel like you were just walking through a uh, an assortment of really great restaurants. And it just so happened that a couple of tall dudes were playing basketball, a f you know, a few feet away. Like, you would almost forget about the game. There was so much food there. I mean, this is, this is a little different, but it does remind me of how I remember medieval times. Did you ever go to medieval times? I never got to go. Damn it. That's, I'm jealous. So, so you've gone there before. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's that giant, weird theme restaurant where you eat chicken with your hands and watch yep. people joust yep. in the middle of the stadium. And you don't really remember what happens during it. You just know that that happened. But I remember just like eating chicken, you know, with my bare hands and eating some sort of <laughs> maybe apple juice out of a goblet. And yeah. that was a big deal. That was really cool. Yeah. Speaking of medieval times, if we go back to like a generation of baseball ago, there was a point in time when like, you know, the idea is that you were eating peanuts and Cracker Jacks at a game and, you know, then you, know, you would get a hot dog and maybe a burger and have a beer and 
eat some candy. Nowadays, you know, we covered the dining options at Oracle Park one year. And I remember Thomas Keller, the fine dining chef from the French Laundry, um, was going to be incorporated into the food lineup. He was going to, like, cook at some point. And this didn't blow anyone's mind around me. But I was like, man, are you kidding? Like, food at arenas of any sort has just become so, you know, I don't want to say it's, like, been elevated, but it's become a, a significant factor of the perks of the place. It's not just like, you know, having a bunch of seats and different kinds of beers. They really have to entertain people who know about food, you know? Yeah. Well, you know what's funny, actually? Anecdote time. My father-in-law runs a stadium. Um, He, like, helps administer things, I guess. And (laughs) one thing he tells me is that, you know, they do concerts and stuff, too, in addition to games. And during certain concerts, he'll notice what people consume During different events, a few years ago or maybe a few months ago, Taylor Swift performed at that stadium. Yeah, and I asked him, "So what? What? What did you sell?" And he said, "Mostly sodas and vodka for the moms." (laughs) Oh oh, wow, that's interesting. (laughs) As opposed to lots of beer during the um, sports events. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. I wonder if there's like a close game. Will the concession areas or those restaurants sell more of a specific item. Like if it's a tie ball game, are people going to run downstairs like in those and get nachos or something opposed to, I don't know, like fried chicken sandwiches in the first inning kind of thing like that. That would actually be an interesting thing to look at. (laughs) Well, I remember when I went to the athletics game, it was the athletics versus the giants actually. And the concessions areas were where there were a lot of confrontations, not like violent ones, but just really surly dudes yelling at each other, <laughs> you know, like um, yeah, just chanting yeah. at each other in opposition. <laughs> right. So right. I feel like like in many contexts, right, food is the place where conflicts arise and are resolved, <laughs> perhaps most dramatically during a baseball game. I'm surprised they don't have segregated eating areas for like people <laughs> on different sides. Yeah. Oh, man. So that was Mark Hanna, the outfielder and first baseman for the Oakland Athletics. Thanks so much for talking with us, Mark. So now we're going to do What Is This Nonsense, our segment where we just talk about the things that we have messaged each other privately <laughs> during the week um, and reveal our secrets to you all, the listeners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Justin, I think you have a themed one this week, so let's hear it. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna stick to sports. People just hang in there with us if you didn't come for all this sports talk. But so one of the things that I think is really funny that I found really interesting, outside of all the uh, the complications that come with conducting a baseball season during a global pandemic, you know, with like distancing and all these other things, one of the ways that they've you know, there's also like a crowd element that's like irreplaceable at sporting events. So I think to kind of like fill that void, the A's, you know, recently played a game where in the stands were a bunch of cutouts of players, but alongside those players were stuffed teddy bears. And they all, and I think most of the teddy bears had like little bow ties. Oh my gosh. You know, and it's funny. These were like big teddy bears too, because they fill up the seat. That's cute. Like that makes for a cute photo. But what made the rounds though, was this like really human element of a ball 
being hit into the stands and it hit one of the teddy bears in the face. Oh my gosh. So it's almost like, you know, we're in this like really fantasy type of situation where you're playing a game in front of teddy bears. And then you're reminded like, oh yeah, it's probably dangerous for those bears too at that game. Like getting hit with a foul ball. (laughs) I don't know. It's just like this culmination of so many things. I don't know. I just love the idea of playing a kid's game in front of like stuffed animals. It makes me think of how... There's a hot pot place called Hattie Lau. And if you show up and eat by yourself, they'll give you a teddy bear to sit across Aww. from you so you don't feel alone. <laughs> that is that is very, very accurate. Because, I mean, <laughs> in the NBA, they can't have crowds there. So they have, like, screens that show people watching the game on their computers. So it's their camera on their laptop that shows their face on a wall at the game. Oh, it's like a mega zoom. It's like a mega zoom. That's exactly right. All right. So what's your, um, (laughs) what is this nonsense? Okay. I literally just saw this and I texted this to you and it's Mm -hmm. awful. So um, the editor of The Counter, which is this online food publication, just posted this 3D printed steak and it was the press photo of the 3D printed steak and it's being... (laughs) sliced into by this Japanese chef's knife and it just looks what does it look like it looks like someone knitted an image of a steak <laughs> yeah you know yeah, yeah. it's like slightly pixelated in a way right. that's really unsettling because it's 3D and it's real what what's sad about this is that this is the best photo so i i would love to see the camera roll of the ones that didn't make the cut. It Ooh. almost, it looks very much like, for people that play video games, if you were going to play Zelda or Super Mario and they were going to serve you a steak somewhere, <laughs> that's what the steak looks like. It's a, it's I mean, a now, mo- nowadays in video games, it looks a lot better. Oh, it looks like it the looks food like, in the new Zelda it, looks a lot better than this. I'm, think, I'm thinking of like Nintendo Zelda. Okay, so let's say this looks like a Minecraft steak. I'll put yeah. it right there. That's what it looks like. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, uh. There's no like give to it. You know, like the, the <laughs> But it's knife really looks... juicy. <laughs> there's oh. like little bit beads of like liquid coming out of its pores. It's like the uncanny valley, right? I know. Of, I feel like, like if you're going to 3D print something, 3D print something easy, like a cheese. There you go. You know, like something already geometric and even if it looks regular. Right. It's got straight lines. It's solid. You wouldn't be able to tell. I mean, what they're trying to do with, like, the lines of fat in this steak. Oh, remember how God. when you were a kid, if you drew the earth, you would just draw the <laughs> continents. You wouldn't draw clouds. Well, this is like telling that same kid, add in clouds on that planet. So it's accurate. That's what it looks like. So, yeah, just to be clear, this is an Israeli startup called Redefine Meat and Yeah, this was part of their demonstration and uh, makes me just want to go vegan. (laughs) I hear you. So that's all we have for today's episode. Thanks again to Mark Hanna for being in conversation with us. You can read the transcript of our interview with Mark Hanna at sfchronicle.com slash spicy. And remember to send us any questions or voice memos you might have about food, life, or anything else, dog problems, boy problems, cat problems, for our Dear Spicy advice segment at extra spicy at sfchronicle.com. Thank you for listening. 
Extra Spicy is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Erica Carlos is the producer of the show. If you like the Extra Spicy podcast, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me, Soleil Ho, on Twitter at H-O-O-L-E-I-L. And me, Justin Phillips, at Just Mr. Phillips. You can support Extra Spicy and great journalism by signing up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. <laughs>